0: they were distressing for him and for me, but, but they, um, bring your focus exclusively on what matters. Nothing else matters. It's like everything else is small stuff. Everything, everything. So I have incredible gratitude that he stayed there with me through all that and for weeks to months did all my self-care, all everything.
1: Welcome, Bienvenidos. Hello friends, this is Kate Mangona, your host on Medicine, Marriage, and Money. Today we are here with Dr. Sunny Smith, who is more than I can ever begin to explain. Not only is she a family physician who runs a free health clinic in San Diego, but she is also one of the most well-known physician coaches that exists. She is the founder of Empowering Women Physicians, where she hosts daily life and business coaching sessions and the Empowering Women's Physicians podcast and retreats to Bora Bora. She also runs the extremely active Empowering Women Physicians Face Group, where she does just that, Empower Women Physicians, as the ultimate healer of all healers. And besides all of this, she is a loving and supportive wife and a mother to a little boy. So please welcome Dr. Sunny Smith.
0: No, that was the world's most beautiful introduction. I'm going to need to get like a clip of that and introduce it everywhere I go. It was like incredible and amazing and I appreciate you and the cheering and the applause.
1: (laughs) I am so honored to have you on our show today, (laughs) Sonia.
0: Thank you. Of course, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to see your dreams come true and to see you doing this. Like I just love to see you doing this.
1: Let's start with my inaugural launch guest question because you're one of my inaugural you know, launch guests. So, what is your definition of marital interdependence and what does it take to achieve it and maintain it? Or, in simplified terms, what makes a successful marriage and how does it last?
0: Hmm. Okay. What makes a successful marriage and how does it last? I, <laughs> I'm thinking about this. Okay. I think what makes for a successful marriage, you know, particularly as a coach, I will say is that everyone allows the other person to be who they are, right? Like we have all this idea of controlling the other person or molding them or making them be who we want them to be, do what we want them to do, act how we want them to act. And I think there's a lot of tension and exhaustion that goes along with that. So if we can just learn that our spouse is their own human being and they have their own free will, they have their own desires, they have their own feelings, whatever they're doing is often not about you, but more about things about them, like their upbringing, what they saw in their families, what their expectations are, what's going on at their work, what was going on with their day, whether your kid yelled at them that day they're just having their own experience of the world. And so we each are having that, right? And we go out into the world and we have that experience of our own personal lives. And then we come back together. And I think a marriage is a place for people to sort of, I don't know if you would say become the best versions of themselves, but like some a, a, a partner ideally would add to your life and help you to be the best person that you could be. And not necessarily be limiting or critical or, I mean, yes, we all need to have like feedback, you know, but I think allowing the person to be who they are and allowing them to grow and become the best versions of themselves can help lead to a successful marriage. There's always these things where people are like, well, I need my husband to do this, or I need my spouse to do this. And we can make those requests. But the thing is, if our spouse didn't exist in the world, we would still find a way, whatever that thing is that we're expecting them to do. Like, I actually really resented my husband when my kid was around two because I felt like I had been doing two years of almost 24 7 care. You know, like the breastfeeding in the middle of the night, that like he goes surfing and plays volleyball every single weekend. And I'm like, when do I? get time for me is what I was thinking at that point. So I had this resentment and then I just kind of realized, you know, if he wasn't here, I would find a way, right? Like I would get a sitter for Sundays. And so if I can just sort of take control of what I have control over and not expect him to always pick up the slack all the time, I think things got a little bit lighter at that point. a really long answer. But um, yeah, allowing people, I think for me to be who they are is really important. And then just taking control over what we have control over. Um, And then of course, unconditional love, always, always, always based on a foundation of unconditional love. And what that means too, is not a condition. Like I love you if you show up at 6pm. I love you if you say I'm pretty and my hair is not frizzy. I love you if, (laughs) you know, whatever. It's like, I love you no matter what. And that is honestly why they say in the vows, right, through good times and bad, because they know, like throughout history, people know it's it's going to get ugly out there. <laughs> like There's going to be good, there's going to be bad, there's going to be sickness, there's going to be health, there's going to be rich, there's going to be poor, you're vowing to stick it through. And so when the times get tough, and they will, now what do you do?
1: no i love that that was perfect i mean especially if you have a two-year-old a toddler running around i think a lot of people can relate to that because i found myself and i think that that's why i'm actually on this journey right now because i do have a 15 month old and a three-year-old and all those emotions and feelings i've been going through too so let's get back okay Let's go back to the beginning of you and your husband. Tell us, tell the audience a little bit about how you first met. What did that feel like? What did that look like? Was it instant love?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so cute. I love that you're telling stories of love on your podcast. I love it. Um, Because everyone has a journey, right? And like, what is that journey? You never know because most people don't talk about it. So I love that you're doing this. My husband and I, interestingly... Um, met at a fundraiser at the La Jolla Museum of Contemporary Art. So I don't usually go to anything like this. I was in jeans, Levi's jeans and a t-shirt. And I was with my friend who I went to medical school with and we were out at her house in San Diego and he was at a wedding of his uh, it was his high school best friends, one of his high school best friends sister. And they had a beautiful home on the, on the coast where they were having this wedding and there was a caterer. And then there were a handful of boys who were like groomsmen. And so all the boys were there and they were dressed very fancy. And the caterers said, Hey, there's this event that we're also catering down the street. That's really cool. Would you like to come? so they said sure and it turned out that it was like a very fancy who knows 500 or a thousand dollars a plate type of thing and um and there was just you know like a it was um what do you call it It was like white tuxedo it was Casablanca type theme and there was like gambling and drinks and you know pseudo gambling it was fake you know, for the fundraiser. This is a long story that I'm telling you about how we met. But so somebody texted us, you know, there was one of those people in the network tested us like, come on by. And so I went by in my jeans at this fancy fundraiser. And they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> are you on the guest list? I'm like, I'm with the catering company. <laughs> me and my friend went in with our jeans and we're like dancing and having martinis and you know, going through all these things. And I, then my husband, my now husband came out and he got introduced to me and after like a song or two of dancing, he's like, you look like long-term potential. And I was new to being single. I was like 30 and new to being single. I'd been in a relationship my whole life. And I said, Well, that's quite a line, you know, (laughs) you look like long-term potential. Like you don't just say that to someone, right? He's like, I'm serious. You are a doctor, you run a free clinic and you're fun and you're dancing and you're at a like black tie event in jeans. He's like, you are my people. (laughs) So I thought he was kind of overstepping or exaggerating, but he now in hindsight, he's like, I mean, I was totally right. And knowing him, those are the qualities that he would value in a person. So he did know. And of course, we went through ups and downs and all this stuff until we eventually got married. But um, he just knew, you know, someone who's fun, who has a loving heart, who's smart, who cares for others. That's his kind of person. He was so handsome. I just thought he was so handsome. (laughs) He's like a big, strapping, strong, six foot five, you know, handsome guy. (laughs)
1: So he was what you were looking for.
0: Yes. And he was funny and he's an engineer and yeah. So he was also
1: what I was looking for. Okay. So as you guys continued to, or started to date and um, before you were married, what, what were the qualities that made you fall in love with him? Oh, he was so
0: fun. He's very fun and kind and caring and capable and responsible. And that was important to me in someone I was gonna choose to marry and have possibly a family with, right? Was that he was not only like fun, amazing, kind, sweet, totally a doer. Like if anything needed to be done, he's like, boom, got it done in a second. He's like the opposite of me. About medicine, marriage and money, it's interesting because he was a little bit younger than me. I was um, 30. And given our age difference, I think he must have been probably, mm, would he have been 23? Seven years apart? Well, I'm trying to think. Let's see. He was born in 82. I was born in 75. Yeah. That makes him very young when we met. (laughs) I have the idea, though. I might be getting this wrong. If he was born in 82, I don't want to belabor the differences, but we are seven years apart. Maybe I was older. He must have been 25, and I was probably 32. Yeah, Yeah, that's what it was. That's what it was. I was, yes, I was 32 and he was 25 because I'm like, that's making him seem very young. (laughs) Yeah, he was 25. And so, regarding the medicine, marriage, and money stuff, like we both, interestingly, were not, I wasn't attending, but because I was working at a free clinic, I wasn't yet making six figures and neither was he. And so, we were kind of at an equal place financially and I had bought this million dollar house at the ocean because I was an attending, you know, and I always wanted to live at the ocean in La Jolla. And he was living, this is so interesting, it so represents who he is. He was living with four other guys in a place that he was house hacking. He, you know, rented it and then he rented out all the rooms. And I was like, so I'm in my thirties, I'm an attending faculty member at the university. And you live with four other dudes. (laughs) Like, I think we're going to need to like, like, you're not in college anymore. And he wasn't at all in college. He had a very good job. And, um, but he was, you know, he knew he had his eye on the prize. He knew he wanted to save money. And we ended up using that and some other things for our, our down payment, but it kind of his willingness, he was very mindful of his money.
1: Exactly. OK. And so did you guys we you know as your relationship evolved and you got married, how did that what did that look like for your finances? I mean, you had a beach house. He's house hacking. Yeah. Do you guys have to have discussions about saving, investing? Yeah, um, definitely. I think we
0: both are pretty we ended up getting rid of the beach house and we moved. We both moved. What ended up happening, interestingly, is um, I was thirty seven. So we'd been dating for five years and I changed insurance, <laughs> this is like all the, all the inside scoop. I changed insurance at my university. For some reason, the university changed over or something. And so I had to go to a new, uh, physician in OB-GYN to get my birth control refilled. And so I went in and I was a 37 year old G0P0 and the lady's like, so you have infertility? And I was like, no, I'm not married. I've never tried to have a baby and she was like uh, you don't make it to 37 without some kind not have some kind of whoops or something unless there's some kind of issue and i was like that's just not true i'm a doctor i know how to prevent this that's just not true i never tried and she was like are you di-? this is as soon as i walked in to meet her she's asking me all these things i was like what is going on right now i'm here for a refill <laughs> and so she's like you need to go home she's like do you have a boyfriend i was like yeah she's like you going to marry him i'm like i don't know like maybe And she's like, you need to go home and decide if you're getting married or not. You need to go. And she's like, here's a fertility counselor's number. You guys need to like, I want to run some tests and you guys need to decide you're either getting married or you're not, or you're making a baby or you're not because you are going to lose your chance. And I was just like floored. So I went home with him or I went to my car. I sat there and I cried. I sobbed and I called him. I'm like. So apparently (laughs) we've been together five years and we need to decide if we're staying together and having a baby because apparently I'm getting too old. So, um, we, I know. So we, so we decided we would move in together and that's when we did. And he left the house hacking and he moved into it. We moved in a small apartment. It was like $1,600 a month. And we decided we would do counseling and decide if we wanted to pursue having a baby or not, where are we going to get married or not? And um, so we both were, I mean, aside from the house that I had bought, we've both been very kind of, hmm, I don't want to use the word conservative, but just mindful of how and where we spent our money. And so we continued to be, we obviously ended up getting married and having a baby. And like, even at that point, we borrowed all our baby stuff. From other people, like from our friends who were ahead of us, because I was an older mom, right? So they had baby stuff. So we borrowed the crib, we borrowed clothes, so much stuff. And then only when the baby was um, five months old, did we, well, we tried to find a place before he was born, but then I had preterm labor or preterm contractions. And so we kind of put that on hold. And so once, when he was five months old, we moved out and then we bought our house, which we own now, so that's how that went for us. But, and then when we bought our house, it was very important to us to, you know, make sure that that debt was addressed as soon as possible. So, wow.
1: Okay. So, you didn't have the typical 30 year, 15 or 30 year mortgage?
0: Well, we got 15 years. Okay. Um, but then we worked on it aggressively.
1: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Debt was not something that you wanted. That was not something we wanted. We did not want to have debt. No. Okay. So you guys, we were, you were on the same financial page and you talked about it openly and it worked.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we're both, the one thing, like when I turned 40, I decided I wanted to take an expensive vacation and we went to Bora Bora and that was like the first really expensive vacation we ever took. Um, and so from that point forward, we've started taking some expensive vacations <laughs> but, and I'm, uh, let's see, my 45, yeah, 45 now. So, uh, but aside from that... And then coaching, of course, which I got into in the last couple of years. But aside from that, we have been pretty um, mindful of our money. Like I don't wear expensive clothes. I don't wear expensive shoes. I don't have expensive purses. They're just not things I really value. And it's not because I'm like even trying. It's just you have to value that to be willing to trade money for that. And I don't really value that per se. So I value time. I value experiences. I value the beach. Um that kind of stuff. And we're kind of, so we're very much aligned in that way.
1: Perfect. Okay. And so you're able to have these open discussions with money. You, you're on the same financial page who sits down to like pay the bills, make the investments. It's,
0: it's funny. i like, do we have investments? But I mean, yes. Now that now these days more so I would say, I mean, at the beginning, so we have, we decided at the beginning there would be his, hers and ours right? so like we have three separate trusts his hers and ours we have three separate bank accounts his hers and ours and we just decided that whatever was like what we earned goes in our own accounts and then when we have joint expenses like the home and the nanny and food and all that stuff that there's like a certain amount that we each put in who makes, I mean, we each would make our own decisions about our own money, basically. When it comes
1: out of your own accounts. Okay.
0: Yeah. Our own accounts. And so like he, I mean, he had stock accounts and stuff. I kind of felt like I never really <laughs> had much, like, cause I, all my money that I would earn would go to like paying down the mortgage, you know? So I didn't feel like I had significant investments. I mean, I had 401ks and, or 403ds where I work. Um, and then only recently, as I've gotten to know people who are doing real estate investing, as you know, Um, we decided that we would, you know, dip our toes in and then we dipped our toes in a little. And that was clearly me leading because I was influenced by my friends and he took a little warming up to the idea, had to spend some time with Kenji and Leite and Peter in person (laughs) to get the idea that maybe this was a good idea. And after spending significant amount of time with them, he was like, yeah, we could try this. So we tried it, we tried it. And then we did it a little bit bigger. And so I think that is more me driving it. He, and he would be more, he's very though um, interested in looking at what our, what our big picture stuff is like, you know, he goes to the financial planner that we started with like a year ago and looks at the stocks and bonds and this and that, and like the whole, like how much do you need to retire? And like, it's just very interesting to honestly, like around a year ago f- for the first time, sitting down with someone for the first, like nobody ever talks to you about this, but I mean, in the online community, now it's starting to be something that people talk about, but it wasn't ever something, wasn't part of my vernacular. It wasn't part of our education really. I mean, it was never the focus of our education. Yeah. And then they just, it, you just make stuff up, you know, they're like, well, how much do you want to live on every month? I'm like, I don't know. I can tell you what I live on now, but it's because I have a nanny and I have a this and a that and like all these, have a, you know, when I'm paying my mortgage and like the cost will be different. They're like, well, how much do you think? I'm like, well, I don't know. They're like, well, you you need to give us a number of how much you want every month. I'm like, I don't know. So then, you know, you're like, I don't know. How about like $10,000 a month or $12,000? I'm like, I don't know. Like, what should I say that you want to live on forever and you would be happy forever because whatever that number is, It influences every single other thing in your whole portfolio. And where are you willing to fund your kid to go to school? Are you willing to send him to MIT? Does he have to go to state school? Does he have to like, you do all this stuff and then you come up with it. And to them, it's just numbers. Like to us, it has a lot of emotion, right? But then they don't care what you say. I could have said 5,000 a month. I could have said 25,000 a month. They'd be like, all right. And so he's really good at leading us as a couple and as a family in that? And and they ask you these questions like, well, what do you value? Like, what would you like, for instance, a beach house? And I'm like, well, I mean, it would be kind of nice, but what that does to my financial plan is very different. Like what it does to how much has to come in and has to go out, right? Because a beach house in San Diego is like, least $4 million. And if you want it right on the sand, it's like $10 million. Like am I really going to put anything like that? Even a condo is like $1.5 or $2 million. Is that really going in my plan? So it's just very interesting to sit down with someone and go, okay, what do we want our life to look like? And then just interestingly, like draw it out. Be like, okay, well, this is what we want. This is what we value. How much do you want to spend on travel? How much do you want to spend on this? And then there you go so I'm sure you guys do this because you are very into the finances right it's just that only a year ago I was exposed to it I was like wow
1: yeah but the thing is I think you guys were already kind of on the same page in alignment and doing your own thing and yeah now you're introduced to people who talk about it all the time the people who do real estate investing you know right and then it was it was reassuring to see that because we had always been
0: you know, doing what we were supposed to be doing, we thought, you know, putting everything we could in our 403bs or in 457s and 401k for him. And, you know, aggressively paying off what we could, um, that by the time we arrived there, we were like, oh, actually in pretty good shape. And that was like a huge relief. And then I kind of looked at him, I'm like, don't get on my case about Bora Bora now. (laughs) Because we're actually doing fine.
1: (laughs) Well, and then also personal growth, right? You love to take courses, you love to sign up for personal growth type event and what where does that money come from and how do you guys agree on that That
0: is a good question so at first it came from me right like i invested first it was so this is this is how much it has changed so like two and a half years ago or so because around three years ago i got in a bicycle accident right and then i i stumbled into like these coaching podcasts and um and so i just listened to all of them for months and then sort of as christmas was rolling around i was like I think i want to join this um this thing where you like pay 297 dollars a month it's called scholars at the life coach school and and they would send you a package a physical package with some books and you would do some work you know online and videos and stuff like that and he would be like 297 dollars could you please, he was very unhappy with the $297 showing up because he kind of, you know, does our mint. And so he knows whenever I spend money, it comes in, he knows right away whenever I spend money because it just shows up. Right. Um, And so he's like, here's your $297 box. (laughs) Could you please turn this off? And so when I first went in, actually my plan was to um, do it for a month and get all of the information I could and watch every single video and like use all that 297s worth. <laughs> and so I did, I watched everything. And then I was like, I just want to stay in one more month, just one more, maybe another month. And then she offered coach training. And I was like, Oh, oh that's when the big money, that's she- when the big money came. So that was an $18,000 investment. And, but you only had to put down a thousand. Like I went to a live webinar you had to put down a thousand dollars I was like, I can spend a thousand without talking to my husband. That's not like a level of money that we have to have a big conversation. And he travels a lot for work. So, um, so that's what I did. I put down the thousand dollars and that when he came home, I was like, so, (laughs) you know, those boxes,
1: (laughs) the $297 boxes turning
0: to $18,000. <laughs> you know, there's this one lady that's a pediatrician and she does that. And it was Katrina, right? I'm like, she's not crazy. She's like totally normal. And I, I want to do it. It's really meaningful to me. I really like it. And he's like, that's going to be the most expensive trip you ever took. Cause you had to go in person. Right. And then there was a continuing education. And so I think he thought I was completely insane, but he fortunately did what I said at the beginning of this podcast, which is to allow me to be me. It was obviously very important to me. It seemed like a significant amount of money, um, but it was very important to me. So I was very, very grateful, honestly, cause it was unlike us to ever spend that amount of money. And, um, and so we did, we made payments $3,000 a month, you know, or whatever for the number of months till it was paid off. I mean, that's how they have you make the payments as you go. And then, um, so that was my own investment. And that's why I felt like I could say it. Cause I'm like, I have the money I'm going to make the payments. It's fine, And then, um, of course, we sort of had the deal. Once you have a business, because then it became a business after I was done training, then it was like, just stay in the black. As long as I'm in the black, if I'm using earned money to pay for any personal development or coaching that I'm doing, then it's not touching family money.
1: And, and also like we are skipping ahead. So not all, I know a lot of our audience probably does know, but not all of us know about that, what you had gone, you know, your bicycle accident that you went through that caused you to kind of go inside yourself and ask you all these questions and start your personal growth journey. Um, Can you touch on that a little bit and tell tell us how that affected not only you, but also your relationship with your husband? Oh, that's
0: a really good question. Nobody ever asked how did it affect my relationship, right? All these questions you're asking are questions people never ask each other. So, we were in Tahiti on Mother's Day. This was my second trip to French Polynesia. The first one was when I was 40, and this one was probably when I was either 41 or 42. And we had been working way too hard like, just working, working, working. Never could align up any time off because he traveled a lot. And so, we looked way ahead in the schedule and we found one week in May that he was off, that I was going to be able to take off. And it was Mother's Day. And I was like, I really don't want to. Go on a trip on Mother's Day. You're supposed to be with your kid on Mother's Day, but it was the only place that it fit. So we went. Um, and we were there and we were in the overwater bungalow, and it was Morea. Actually, this was at the time when Barack Obama had just, I don't know if you call it retired or stepped out of office, and that was, <laughs> and that was the place that he went. He wasn't there when I was there, but that's where he went as soon as he was like with Richard Branson on a yacht or something. They went to Morea, and I was like, so here's the thing, babe. It's like Bora Bora, but it's a little cheaper. It's cheaper. And Barack Obama was just there. So it's got to be good. So we should go. <laughs> so then so then I booked it and um, it was beautiful. The bungalows were beautiful. I highly recommend it. The snorkeling was beautiful. And then on the last day, my husband's like, we really should go on the land. To see the land to go up the mountain and all this because we're leaving to go to another place nearby to go scuba diving on a different island. And so we went up, and of course, I'm not very athletic. He's very athletic, he's very strong. If I haven't, you know, mentioned that you before. Mentioned bo- volleyball and surfing, and yes, exactly, this is his thing like his whole life, he's been an athlete, and I have not. So I struggled on the bike going up the mountain, the chain kept coming off, and like it was just kind of drama. And then we got up to the top, there was tons of mosquitoes, so we, ha- we could only stay for like a minute. And then, <laughs> and then we, had to get- we took a picture, so I have that picture. And then um, we came down and I was telling him I was having trouble. I'm like, I'm having trouble with the bike. It's like wobbly, I'm having had to pull over. And then eventually I just fell off and went over the handlebars and I landed on my face and I smashed my arms and I got um, positional orthostatic tachycardia syndrome where I couldn't sit or stand. So yeah, I couldn't eat. I So basically anyway, I got knocked out. I woke up in the ambulance with my husband there and he was so kind and sweet and wonderful. He had been ahead of me. So he didn't know that I fell. He just knew I didn't make it around the last corner, but he was only barely ahead of me. So he came back and people were surrounding me and we got in the ambulance and he was again, very kind and loving. And I was, when I woke up, I was like, we have to get to the next hotel. Like we have to pack our bags. And he's like, Oh babe, this trip's over. I'm like, no, it's not. No, it's not. He's like, Oh yes, it is. I just couldn't see it. I was like a little too dazed and out of it to know that I was, that it was clearly over. So then um, like some various other dramas comes because the, the, there's one way, one flight out of Tahiti and the, fire department was on strike so we couldn't leave because you couldn't run the airport without the fire department. but anyway eventually we got me home and then and he had to be because my both of my arms were in full casts. so I couldn't use my arms at all not at all plus it was terribly painful. I couldn't we're sit. all broken. yeah just from my shoulders to my to the tips of my fingers were like in casts because I had wrist fractures, elbow fractures, you know I needed surgery. And my face was all fractured up. My mouth was fractured. My eye was fractured. And so I couldn't eat and I couldn't do anything for myself. I mean, imagine if you have no arms at all, but how much you come to rely on your spouse. So everything, everything that I had to do, he had to feed me. He had to feed me drinks. He had to give me pain medicine. He had to shower me. He had to wipe my bum. He had to change tampons. He had like everything to shower, like dress me. And of course it's like painful and I'm yelling. Right. But he, I mean, it was a lot of humility to have your husband doing your daily care routine for yourself. Everything, everything that needs to be done, brushing hair, brushing teeth, every caring for my child, typing to tell my work that I couldn't come like notifying people, just kind of everything. And and so there were a couple of times in in my life, our path together that I think we grew a lot closer. And one was when I was admitted with preterm contractions. That's when we realized like, wow, we're a family. Like this, this is for real. <sighs> and then when I was going into the operating room, we sort of had this idea that I might not make it. So we sort of like said our goodbyes, you know? Like, and I was thinking it for a good life and I was so happy and he'd been so good to me. I'm so emotional. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah, the, those moments certainly, they, I'm sure they were distressing for him and for me, but, <laughs> but they um, bring your focus exclusively on what matters. Nothing else matters. It's like everything else is small stuff, everything, everything. So I have incredible gratitude that he stayed there with me through all that. And for weeks to months did all my self-care, all everything.
1: Wow. That is incredible.
0: (laughs) So that's, that's our story. And so now I just feel like I can bathe myself.
1: I mean, there aren't many, um, couples that ever have to do anything to each other, right?
0: Especially young, you know, like maybe someone gets demented or something and it starts to look like that. But some people in their thirties and forties don't often go through one person being completely dependent on the other. And he dropped everything. I mean, he stopped working completely. We both were like, goodbye to our works. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) There's an emergency here. Everything's on hold. And so I'm very grateful that he did that. And then eventually I'm like, you can go back a little bit here and there. And we got me a home health nurse. And again, that's that whole thing about like, what can you hire out? And when like, you can't hide, just like with the nanny, with the child, you can't hire out the love. You can't hire out that sort of um, connection. But then when it does eventually just come down to, and the person feels safe and their health is no longer like in danger, then it's just, you know, can someone bathe me? And someone like people who had skills were actually better at certain things, like washing my hair, because it's really hard to wash hair when you can't get your arms wet. You're like, (laughs) how do you arrange that?
1: (laughs) And then, okay, and then this started your journey into into life coaching.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because um, he would put uh, some friends told me about these podcasts, right? These like life coach school podcasts. I've never listened to a podcast ever my whole life, ever, and I couldn't read a book, and I couldn't. like watch TV because again, because of the concussion. So eventually, once I was awake enough, um, he would put the earbuds in my ears and press play. And then eventually he would he would either work from home and then eventually he went back to working out outside the house. and so I would just listen and listen and listen. And I found it really helpful because I had been doing what they call arguing with reality, right? I had been wishing I hadn't gotten on the bike. I was wasting all my time and energy, mental energy wishing. I hadn't gotten on the bike and blaming him and resenting him <laughs> because I loved him so much, but I didn't want to get on the bike. <laughs> like I'm not athletic. It was mother's day. It was mother's day for the God. It was the exact day. That was my day. We <laughs> should have been on the bungalow. Like that's the story I was telling myself. Instead, eventually I got to thinking for real, like, wow, this might be here to teach me something. You know, like I'm going to learn about what matters in life and what doesn't matter and that if i just keep rushing through my whole life i'm gonna miss the whole thing without having paused to appreciate what i do have
1: and how long do you think it took for those thoughts to change
0: (laughs) it's so funny because i have this idea to respond in weeks or to respond respond in number of episodes (laughs) i mean it was 200 and something episodes (laughs) because that's how many there were available at that time. And um, I would say weeks. It was a course of weeks for sure. Probably several weeks.
1: That's not an easy change, right? Yeah, it wasn't easy, but it's like
0: the door opened a little bit more all the time. You know, it's like, huh, maybe. And then you entertain it and then you like go a little deeper. You're like, maybe I do see that. And then you just kind of have to like sit with it and, and just keep re-examining what this is what we call now right ladder thoughts or something right you know like you have where you are you have where you want to be and you have to kind of work there
1: (laughs) and so is this what you would recommend like say some of our audience members may be struggling in their marriage right now and they have all these thoughts right like he needs or he or she they need to change it's it's not you know
0: oh my god so many. everyone thinks that first of all that's just a human brain thing is to think if the other person would just change i could be perfectly happy (laughs)
1: Yes, and our friends and our family oftentimes affirm that. They
0: definitely agree with us. Yes, they definitely should change. You know, like people could say things like, well, he shouldn't be going to volleyball every Saturday. That's not fair. But like, that's ridiculous. That's something that brings him joy. Why would I want to take his joy when I can hire a babysitter on Saturdays? Right? It doesn't make any sense. But, but when it's just the spousal relationship, you think that one, it's like tit for tat you know, if he gets to do this and I get to do the exact same thing, or if he gets to do that, he has to make it up in some way. He doesn't have to make up the fact that he loves volleyball and I don't. It's totally fine. Like we can agree that we'll do something at different days or times, or I can just hire someone. So yeah, we all have this idea that if the other person would just change. And here's the thing. Yeah. You can try and change your spouse. Go ahead. Like I trained, I tried for a while. I tried to change a lot of people for a while, <laughs> family members. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. All it does is frustrate you. And it's like, they say resentment is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It just doesn't work. <laughs> so you might as well let it go and say, there must be some other way around this. Given whatever he's doing, let him do what he's doing. How can I start to think about this differently? Not that you would ever accept any abuse, right? Because if there was some abusive thing in a relationship then you say like, okay, what's the circumstance here? The circumstance is violence. And you can feel like shame and guilt, or you can be like, no, I'm learning that I'm not going to tolerate violence. I'm learning I can speak up or I can leave violence or whatever, not saying like accept everything. We all have boundaries, right? But it's just, you can have your boundaries. It's like with your kids. You're like, if you X, I will Y. You know, if you yell, I will leave. Just so you know, those are the rules around here. Go ahead and yell. You know what's going to happen.
1: No, that's beautiful. And, and, you know, we, I think a lot of us are struggling right now, especially as we're in the middle or emerging from, I'm, I'm not even actually quite sure from this global pandemic. I don't know where we are actually, Um, or if we're going to, you know, go back into it. Um, But we're all, I think a lot of us are struggling, especially in medicine, as we kind of are wondering, you know, what's going on in our profession right now? Um, What kind of structures have you found to put in place in your household that you think may help other people if, if they could find, you know, like what's helping you on a day to day basis survive? with your husband, with your child, any kind of structures, like physical structures, people helping you out or, men, you know, emotional type things?
0: That's a good question. I mean, I think everyone's always working on it, right? So we're always like running little experiments <laughs> about what might help. I, in the last, say, month or so, have taken to what, what I think renews me, which is like little staycations, because we can't do these big vacations that are important to me. Like I've mentioned already, but like experiences and time where I'm really checked out is really important to me. And so we agreed that, you know, we would do like some drive down to the beach, which is literally like, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. It's not like we're going anywhere. (laughs) We're just leaving our house and going to sit at the beach where we can watch the sunset and do those things and like try to just purposefully be present as a family. And I actually told him, um, so we we went to like a house with the Lazy River. And then we went to this place called Paradise Point, which is kind of like Hawaii-ish sort of little tropical space in San Diego. And then we went to another hotel at La Jolla Shores. Those were our three little things in this last month. And like for me, that was really good for our marriage. I don't think he probably needs it or cares because he's always surfing and playing volleyball. So he's always at the beach. But for me, if I don't really have like a reason to be there as much, I'm not there as much. I'm like in my house. I live in San Diego, but I'm in my house because I'm trying to social distance. I don't see anyone. I don't go anywhere. Not, not completely, but you know, in the way that we used to. Um, so I told him like in August, I'm like, listen, in August, cause there's been some tension, of course. <laughs> I told him in August, no bad days. Like there's just not going to be any bad days in August. Yeah. And he's like, you know, that's a surfing thing to say no bad days. It's like a thing that they put on shirts. It's like a saying, a logo, whatever, no bad days. And I was like, well, I didn't know that. But all I know is there's going to be no bad days around here in August. And I don't know if we're going to make it. It's 12 days in right now as we record. But <laughs> so we haven't had bad days yet.
1: <laughs> that's a great idea just to already set yourself up for success. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and I'm, tra- I'm, I'm working on teaching him the allowing, like, cause our kid, of course, it's getting to be going on a long time for this pandemic, for him to not be hanging out with his friends. And so I'm like, let's just allow a little, let's like, let's be a little permissive. School starts now pretty soon. And just like, let him watch some extra iPad. Like, <laughs> I know it might be like lowering my standards, but I think it's actually fine right now because I have this construct of like, he's going to live to be what, 80 something years old. What's it going to matter if he watched an extra hour or two (laughs) during the pandemic? So I think allowing and accepting and just kind of going with the flow. I think for me, that has been better. He, interestingly, he would like to continue to be his more, a little bit more strict self uh, for the family. Right. And for our son, but I'm, we're just trying to meet in the middle, a little bit of compromise, a little bit from each of us. He has to give a little, I have to give a little, and we have to be on the same page for the parenting. Cause I would say parenting during a pandemic can be one of the challenging things as we both learn to work right from home often, not always, but often. And, um, and with a child here, like, how do you do that? Do you take turns? Do you, again, allow the iPad, which my kid never had an iPad until the pandemic started. And then they were required to get one for Zoom calls for his school. And then now, of course, like the first thing he did was order some kind of like $700 Lego giant. (laughs) I was like, what is this? And as soon as it got here, we just returned it. We're like, okay, that. let's turn this off. This is not allowed.
1: those conversations so then you learn these conversations need to happen amongst you and your husband and you and your son
0: and money like we've had to start talking about money about these things that he tries to buy on amazon because now he watches youtube kids which i didn't know anything about youtube kids before at all because he didn't watch it it's basically a bunch of ads for toys that the kids then want every day right i'm like could you watch some pbs kids or something without ads? Because <laughs> now we have to order all these things. Like we don't have to, right? But like Ryan's world, like what is that? I don't know. But he has all kinds of toys that you should order apparently. That's very important that you order urgently.
1: Sesame Street Days are gone. I will take this as a warning. Okay, what what else? I we've covered so much. We've covered marriage, your journey with life coaching.
0: I feel like i want to ask you all the same questions but i'm sure you've covered them on other podcasts
1: no you know what yeah you can always do it later you can always you know do it later. but no this is this is perfect and i mean for, for closing thoughts are there any any keys to your confidence or any wisdom you want to impart onto our listeners of how they can
0: i would say Since this is about medicine, marriage, money with kind of, it seems like a focus on the marriage part in a way, I would say it really takes one person to change the relationship and make the relationship better. Right. And like, no matter what my husband says to me or tries to say to me, I'm just like not having it. (laughs) Like when he's mad at me lately, like last month, I'm like, family stay together. This is my belief. This is what I'm going to stick with. I mean, it's what I'm sticking with. Like, do all families stay together? No, of course not. Am I divorced? Yes. (laughs) So like, (laughs) I haven't even mentioned that. I I got married when I was 18. (laughs) I got divorced when I was 21.
1: The end, I did not, you said, okay, you were married when you were 19?
0: 18. I was married at 18. So anyway, I'm saying not all marriages stay together, but my, what I'm saying about my current relationship is that like, I just, he can say whatever he wants and my beliefs is going to fuel all my actions. Is family stay together? We are staying together. We are going to make this work. We're going to find common ground. Like, no matter what he says to me, I'm like, this is what I'm going to choose to continue to believe. We're going to find some common ground. We're going to make this work. Everything's going to be fine. And, okay, yes. Have I been divorced before? Yes. But apparently, I didn't have that same thought back then. (laughs) And I think everything in my life has led me to this person who I was meant to be married to and meant to have my child with. And we were meant to have this life that we have now. So, I think nothing has gone wrong.
1: <laughs> no, it's perfect. And he's who you're in love with. And he's who, who, who is there for you at this point in your life. And, and I mean, you know, we all know, we actually had this conversation a few weeks ago with somebody else who had been divorced and on their second marriage. And, um, and she actually had the most wisdom I had out of everybody I would spoken about, you know, like, because, you know, it's the same, the same stuff happens again. So it's like, do you want to work on it?
0: Oh my gosh. I think that's so wise. And that's what I tell anybody who's thinking about separating us. I'm like, you're going to be the same. You're going to, whoever you are, you're going to bring that person to the next marriage. And like people, that's why they call it the honeymoon period, right? Where like people are on best behavior and they're dating and they're courting and they don't like go poo in your bathroom and they don't like, you know, (laughs) to shoot, or they don't, you know, yell or they don't leave their clothes and socks on the floor and they don't, you know, like all these things that once you've been married for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, relationships just evolve over time. And I think that that's something that's important for people to recognize that relationships evolve over time and they take work and attention and cultivate them. And so if we just walk, it's just going to happen again. I mean, are there reasons to walk? Absolutely. Does it make sense sometimes for some people to walk? Absolutely. But I think it's always recognizing the grass isn't always greener. You might just get in another field and you're like, oh my God, there's weeds here too.
1: Yeah. Victor leaves his socks on the floor. So it used to bother me. And now I just leave my socks on the floor too, you know, and I, it's okay. I don't get bothered by it anymore. And then you have someone
0: else clean up the socks and then it doesn't matter. So then it's not on either one of you.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh, this is so perfect, Sunny. And I'm sure I'm going to have you on again too.
0: I'll come over and over and over and Jordan will be, I don't know if he'll ever listen, but he'll be like, what is going on on this podcast? Why are you talking about me on this podcast? (laughs) No, that is not the truth. The truth is we are real. We are authentic. This is what really happens. All marriages, like all those pretty... Facebook pictures, right? Like you'll see pictures of us in Bora Bora as if everything is absolutely perfect, right? And then first of all, if you look at the Morea ones, like a minute later, my life is almost ended. It's so like, and but even if you're just looking at the beautiful ones, it's like, it's possible that people a moment before or after that were having a disagreement, right? But they don't post pictures of disagreements. Usually so.
1: I mean, that's usually what happened before the proposal, before the big, big day, that's when all the arguments happen. <laughs>
0: Before the big day, like for me, it's mostly, I mean, usually my husband and I are getting along when we're on vacation. Cause I like vacation so much, but with us and our family, it's that like our kid, I'm like, smile, smile. <laughs> like at this most recent, we just got back a couple days ago from the beach and I'm like, smile, babe. We're going to take one family photo. He wouldn't. So then we, I was like, fine. He was just like on the ground you know, kicking. I'm like, fine. <laughs> So it looks picture perfect, but here's the reality is we're all human. All our marriages are real and whatever it is, it is. And you start where you are. And even if your spouse doesn't want to make it better, you change the experience by changing the way you choose to look at it. You know?
1: No, I love that. One more thing before you go, how you show up, but you know, and some people have come to me and talked to me about, you know what? It's, it's gotta be 50, like 50. They say it's gotta be 50, 50. Though. Like if he doesn't try and if he doesn't make an effort, I can't live like this forever. What do you say to that? So I think 50-50, of course,
0: that's like half and half to me. So I'm like, it has to be a hundred. <laughs> you have to give a hundred percent. They don't have to give it. It's like that would be like what I would call codependency, right? Like if your happiness is dependent on someone else filling up your cup. That's no good. Here's what you need to know to have a happy marriage. You need to recognize your own cup and you need to know where the water is and you need to be able to go get it. You need to fill up your own cup. And then you're full. And then you go to your husband and you're like, I love you no matter how you are. Right. And let's work on making this better. And he might be like, forget you. And then you're like, fine. Well, I did my best. You know, I didn't come from a place of an empty cup saying, fill me up, fill me up, fill me up. Cause I really, I think a lot of marriages do end up sort of in this codependent thing where you rely on the other person to make you happy, which this is this thing about like external validation. If you completely rely on external validation, you'll never be happy because you'll always need it. Is it lovely and beautiful to have someone say, I'm so glad you're in my life. I love you. Absolutely. Do we all seek that and want that? Yes. But it's better if you can say, you can start by saying, I'm a great wife. And it doesn't even matter if he thinks I am or not, because I know I am. Or at least I'm a good enough wife. Or at least good, I'm a good wife. Wives come in all shapes and sizes and forms and behaviors. But I'm a good wife, right? Like if you can tell yourself that, you need your husband less to tell you that. So I would say, give your marriage 100% yourself. And then you get to decide whether you want to stay or not, but see if you can give that human being some unconditional love because you loved them at one point, right? And recognize the common humanity because no matter how much we disagree or dislike someone, there is some common humanity. So see if you can recognize that in them. Cause they too, if your marriage is bad in your perception, they too are suffering. Like, not only are you suffering, but they are suffering too. Both of you are, and so it's like, how do you decrease your own suffering?
1: Oh my gosh, I love it. That's perfect, perfect way. And and where can people find you, Sunny, if they're looking? They for you? can find me at Empowering
0: Women Physicians. There's it's EmpoweringWomenPhysicians.com, Empowering Women Physicians podcast, Empowering Women Physicians Facebook group, and you have to be a physician and you have to be a woman. My, I, did, I don't know if I've said this on a podcast before, but my mom tried to join at one point. I was like, anyway, yeah. If you're a woman and a physician and we check your credentials, you can come in. <laughs> Otherwise you can listen to the podcast. People who are not women physicians listen to the podcast.
1: Right, yeah. Anybody can listen to the podcast. Okay, well, this has been fabulous. I, 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 And you know what? Again, a lot of these concepts, I feel like, Some people that we hang out with, mutual people we hang out with have had already in the show, they reiterate these same things. Yes, I bet.
0: I bet we're like, you're like, this is like on repeat. This is like relationship on repeat.
1: <laughs> because a lot of people need to hear this and, and repetition and I have to remind myself these things every single day.
0: You're like, okay, well, but if by episode number 10 and everyone is still saying you have to make yourself happy, your spouse can't make you happy, then maybe there might be some truth. Either that or they'll be like, I'll just listen to a different podcast that tells me that all my spouse's fault. <laughs> I don't know of any podcast that would say it's all your spouse's fault. <laughs> You know what I'll say as we're hanging up, um, as we're ending the episode is that like what, what brought me to self-help the first book that I found was in my first marriage. And there was a book called women who love too much. And that taught me that it was me. It never was him, right? Or it never was any of the other humans in my life because you create this pattern. And this particular, I think because doctors will be listening to this podcast, women who love too much tend to be healers and caretakers, just like social workers are and nurses are and so we kind of have the pattern of like wanting to be the savior and wanting to help others and so sometimes we develop relationships that can be a little bit like that
1: oh my god how you much your time sunny
0: thank you so much for um having me on it was lovely to talk to you
1: Thank you so much, Sunny. Oh my gosh, Dr. Sunny Smith. That was such an honor to have her on. As you guys know, she was, or maybe you don't know, she was one of my instrumental life coaches the summer of 2020. So we'll always be thankful to have her in my life. And the three big take-home points from Sunny Smith. Number one, recognize what you can control and recognize what you cannot control. Chances are, if you are suffering in your relationship, so is your partner. So the question then becomes, how do you decrease your own suffering? Because ultimately, you only have control over your own thoughts, your own feelings, your own actions. And do you want to continue to suffer or not? What can you control and decide if you're going to control it or not? Number two, am I arguing with reality? Am I agonizing, ruminating, or regretting a part of my past or present instead of being grateful for the present? What do I already have that I take for granted? My arms, my eyes, my mouth? If I broke both of my arms as a young physician with my complete mental abilities, what would it feel like to have my spouse feed me, shower me, dress me, wipe my bum. Think about it. What are you really arguing with? What are you really agonizing, ruminating over, regretting? Instead of that, what can you be thankful for today? Number three, how am I trying to change my spouse? And maybe you're not trying to change him or her in a major way. Maybe they're just small tweaks, right? Like, uh, if they didn't have that tone or if they, you know, just put that away this way, they just, this, that way, you know, just small little things, right? Well, in doing so, you're trying to change them. How is this stealing your spouse's joy? Because it is. And remember. When you're trying to change somebody and they don't change because they probably will never change this causes resentment and as sunny reminded us resentment is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die number four it only takes one person to make the relationship better it is all about what you choose to think and believe as the one person, the one human you are. So regardless of what your spouse says or does, you still get to decide every day if you're going to think, well, I'm gonna make this work. We're staying together. We're working on it. It's a work in progress. I love, right? Oh my gosh, Dr. Smith, thank you so much. And I hope you guys um, got everything that I got out of this episode. I, I hope you walk away asking yourself, if my spouse was not here at this moment, how would I find a way? When it gets ugly, when the times get tough, and believe me, they will, how will I be here or there, for talking about the future, for my spouse? and for me, and for us. What if today was the last day I had on earth? How would I spend it? What would I say or do with my spouse? What would I be grateful for in my marriage? What am I bringing to my marriage? And is my happiness dependent on my spouse filling my cup? Oh my gosh, so many key takeaway points and questions to ask yourself. I just so filled with joy myself just doing this and hearing from you guys. I so much appreciate the comments that I've been getting from you guys, the reviews I have on on Apple, iTunes. I don't even know how to read reviews. I don't think you can do it on Spotify or Google podcasts, but if you can, let me know because I, I don't know how to find those. So please keep them coming. I really appreciate it. It's um, It means so much to me. And of course, if you have any comments or suggestions or things you want me to try or do differently or any guests you want to see here on my show, I do have a lineup through the end of April and I'm filling up into May, but I always take suggestions, what questions you guys have, how I can... Improve. and I I really am appreciating all the people I'm seeing sharing that my episodes on social media or even if you're just sharing them with your friends your neighbors your family I think some of these messages are, I think all of these messages are so important and they just get lost on the day-to-day right so thank you so much and thank you for subscribing please reach out to me at medicine marriage and if you want to sign up for coaching with me um, or just want to you know just discover what it's all about. I'd love to chat with you. Uh, That's, it's one of my passions. It's why I'm here. And uh, also as a reminder, I have a Facebook community, Medicine, Marriage and Money. It's a, it's a group for physicians. My husband also has a Facebook community called 39.6, which he actually does a show every single night. I do one every week. He does one ever, almost every single night about finances. So super, super amazing place to get the the emphasis on the money part, right? This is emphasis on the marriage part. So thank you so much for listening and staying here with me to the very end. And I send you on your way, bid you adieu, go see. Fly away, spread your wings, spread positivity everywhere you go, and I'm, I'm really just hoping that you take, take all of these keys of wisdom, Dr. Samani Smith, and 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 just start using them daily in your life. I think it can really, it can really change your lens, change the way you view difficult situations, because it definitely did with me. So, so much love to you and your spouse. content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for a professional medical or financial advice the opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone they do not represent the opinions of any particular institution always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan this is for your entertainment only